Hey legends, welcome along to Hellmouth Hotline. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and I'm slipping off schedule here very slightly. I right now I'm trying to quit smoking and uh, I feel absolutely awful at the moment. But uh that's an excuse. And you know what? If you're gonna start a podcast you need to try and keep up with it as best you can. But you can hear it in my voice right now. I um and it's something I wasn't expecting whenever I was trying to quit smoking. And uh it's it's a thing. Uh it's called quitters flu and it's just like all the symptoms of flu, but it's because you're coming off nicotine. And uh literally I am coughing quite a bit now with the lungs clearing themselves out. Uh a little bit of insomnia is creeping in right there. I just, I, on the subject of uh, Jason X and the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you've got that crazy nut job running about, just killing people left, right, and centre. Now that I'm trying to quit smoking, I can kind of understand that mentality. <laughs> There's times there at, during the week at work. Someone would do something just so stupid, and you'd think, "Yeah, you know what? I can, I can quite happily strangulate this person right now, and not even feel guilty about it." <laughs> but that is what it is. But you can hear it in my voice now. My asthma and everything is flaring up. That's an eleven nightmare right now. If I can get to, uh, it's currently uh, eleven p.m. We're heading towards midnight on Friday. If I can get to. 11 a.m. tomorrow that'll be two weeks that I've done so hopefully I'll get over this flu sort of a deal and uh, within the next week or so and uh, get over the smoking it's just something I've been trying to do for a long time but uh, suffering for right now but it is what it is but anyway we're getting into Jason X in this episode and uh Yes, this one here is, uh, there's absolutely no middle ground with this movie whatsoever. You're either going to enjoy it or detest the absolute sight of it. Um, but uh, I'm one of those weirdos that can take it for what it is. You know, it's just, um, I do seem to find the middle ground in a lot of these films. But you know, anybody that I know that have seen this film... They either love it or they absolutely hate it, but I, at this point in the run of the Friday the 13th slash Jason movies, that uh, just got to a stage where it was just, you know, uh, just got uh, just that incredible point where you're just like, okay, this is what we're doing, fair enough, we're going to send Jason to space, okay, how are we going to do that? We'll freeze him and, uh, you know, we'll... Just let uh, the technology advance to the point where, you know, uh, humans have left Earth because it's just uninhabitable. And we'll come back with a, a group of teenagers on a, a futuristic field trip to the, the pop or the polluted Earth that no longer has anybody at all living on it. And uh, we'll find Jason frozen. So that's pretty much what happens in the start of setup to this movie. Is um, 
the the military are trying to work out what the Jason's ability is to regenerate and heal. They're trying to work out how they can recreate that and weaponize it for their own soldiers and whatnot. You know, like Jason's essentially unkillable. No matter what the throw at him, he keeps coming back. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the opening of the movie. They've, they've got him captured. They're trying to work out how they're going to replicate this here. But, uh, you know, um, one of the the doctors is... The scientist is like, she's... We're just going to have to freeze him and work out how we're going to... Uh, you know, do what we're going to do with him eventually. Like, you know, he's too dangerous to be kept imprisoned. If we freeze him, at least he's out of the equation. You know, cryogenic freezing. But uh, the the military, of course, uh, they step in and they're going to take him to an R facility and whatnot. But, of course, Jason Ben Jason escapes, kills as many people as he can until Rowan... The Fontaine, this little scientist, lures him down into the uh, cryogenic freezing chamber and gets him in there and uh, gets him under the pod. She activates it, but uh, she's not sensible enough to step away from it and she takes a little look through the glass and of course Jason ruptures the pod with the machete that he's known for having with him at most times if not all times and he stabs her in the abdomen and because the the pod has been ruptured uh, fluid from the cryogenic freezing process gets out under the sealed room that she's in and freezes them both so then of course we jump to 450 years into the future Earth is now too populated to support life and humans have actually moved to a new planet called uh, Earth 2. Uh, and again, on a futuristic field trip to Earth, Professor Branton Lowe, uh, his android companion KM-14, an intern Adrian Thomas and students just, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, to Sauron. To Sunron, to Sunaron, well, Janessa, Azrael, uh, Kenza, Wellander, and Stoney explore the abandoned Crystal Lake research facility, finding the frozen Jason and Rowan in there. And they decide they're going to bring them aboard the starship, and Grendel, the Grendel, and uh, Sorry, the ship's called the Grendel. Uh, they revive Rowan while leaving Jason in the morgue, believing him to be dead. They figure out, okay, look at this girl here. She's been frozen for 455 years. Let's see if we can far out. And the process of doing that, um, we discover that they've now got the technology where they can, you know, rebuild flesh, essentially. They've got these little microscopic robots that they call ants and you know they'll uh, attach themselves to the human body find out what's wrong with it and they'll 
put the, the body back together, essentially. One of the guys actually managed to get his own arms severed off by the frozen Jason and his machete. And they brought him back to the ship with a severed arm. And these things managed to connect the arm back to his body as good as new. So that's where, you know, medical technology has got to in this movie. And, uh, yes, one of the the doctors on board the ship, Adrian, is she's ordered to dissect Jason's body and uh, try and work out, you know, everything that was going on with this guy, you know, just, in the, just you know, he's dead, cut him up, see what killed him and whatnot. And uh, Rowan warns them of the danger that Rowan, the girl that was frozen with Jason at the beginning of the movie, she reveals that Jason's nature and superhuman abilities, uh, Lo, who is in serious doubt, calls his financial backer on a nearby space station, Solaris, and uh, Perez recognises Jason's name and notes his body could interest a collector. If this is Jason Voorhees you're talking about, this is going to be the find of the century essentially you're just this is going to be big big money um yes so uh this guy he's uh low is going to do what he can to protect his investment as far as jason goes um of course we've got a couple of the guys get it on they're having sex in there jason awakens and he attacks adrian Freezing her face with liquid nitrogen. Now, there's something about that point in this movie. I remember seeing it whenever it first came out, and there's just something about that first attack and the way he takes his victim out with freezing her head essentially in this vat of liquid nitrogen, then smashing her head to pieces in the counter. And it's just that's something that just kind of stuck with me for a long time after it. I don't know why. There's something about that way that. It took a text horror out, and that sequence is just kind of, uh, you know, thinking to myself, okay, right, she freezes, he pulls her up out of the the vat and looks at her. Is, is she dead at this point? Or is she conscious until the point where he smashes her head against the uh, counter, you know, destroying the brain or whatever? It's just one of those things where I was just thinking to myself, okay. Is it there, or is it then where she actually dies? Because, you know, she's got her frozen head, but is she conscious inside this? At this point, it's one of those things you always wonder about, you know. It's one of these things where, like, take the, take natural history, for example. Back in the day when they used to be head people with the guillotine, how long was that head conscious afterwards, you know, did they, the person actually uh, witness the roll down into the, the the little basket that caught the head? And whenever it ended up down there, was it actually able to use its eyes and look about? And I go, ooh, I'm seeing stuff here, but I've got no body. You know, it's just one of these things that uh, kind of sticks in my head. I'm an overthinker from time to time. <laughs> it's weird stuff they got there that gets me. Anyway, he kills her. He takes a machete. Uh, machete shaped surgical tool and he kills Stoney in front of Kenza 
uh, Sergeant Brodsky leads a group of soldiers to attack Jason. He is good entertainment in this movie. Uh, Jason uh, interrupts a projected hologram game. They kind of skip on to uh, Star Trek Next Generation in this movie of uh, uh, like a hollow deck kind of thing. And uh, just never I mentioned Star Trek, I do have an R podcast called Scheme Me Up Body. Doing a lot of Star Trek over there, so go and check that out. Um, yes, so we, these two guys are in this game. And uh, Jason tries to attack Crutch and Brodsky and his soldiers. Uh, splits up. I'm jumping ahead in my notes as well here. Anyway, Jason tries to kill these two people, not realizing they're inside a game. He actually takes a machete, splits this guy in half. And he's like, What the hell did you do that for? sort of thing. And then they disappear, of course. They wake up in the real world and then they, they, uh, they kill him starts and Jason spends most of the movie chasing people around the ship, taking out these soldiers in short order uh, apart from Brodsky he, you think he's been taken out but he actually turns up later on in the movie and one last ditch attempt at stopping Jason which is completely over the top uh, low orders pilot Lou to dock at the Solaris station but Jason Kills Lou and the ship crashes through Solaris. Takes it out, destroys it. A lot of the effects in this movie aren't bad. But they could have been better. Some of that space stuff for the year this movie was made could have been a heck of a lot better. Mm. Like they were using uh, a lot of miniatures for that stuff. And miniature work, if done well, looks absolutely fantastic. And if it's not done well... It's, it's pretty bad, and in this movie, we do kind of get that there. So, uh, the Solaris station, it's destroyed, killing everybody on board. Uh, Jason breaks into the lab, reclaims a machete, decapitates low, uh, with Grendel crippled. The survivors head for the shuttle, while uh, <laughs> the android upgrades KM-14 to uh, do battle against Jason and after the crew uh, member uh, Crutch is electrocuted by Jason Kinza panics and attempts to escape on her own but forgets to release she's in the shuttlecraft at this point and she locks the door she freaks out she knows these guys are getting chased by Jason and you know we're all going to die sort of thing. So she like, freaks out and she decides she's going to take the shuttle and try and escape on her own, but it's still connected to the the Grendel and uh, pretty much just destroys the ship and herself included. And any chance of escaping at this point is completely gone. Um, yes, so the, this android girl in the, the movie, uh, she turns up, she's been upgraded. She's got weapons, combat skills, and uh, yes, she starts to fight against Jason. And after having, uh, <coughs> she actually beats the living tar out of him to the point where he has lost an arm, lost a leg, half the head's gone, and then she actually blows the entire 
entirety of his head off and he falls down into the nanite equipped medical station. And at this point in the movie, uh, I've said it before in a lot of stuff, there's a certain point in virtually every movie you watch, you'll get to a point where something will happen and there's something completely obvious and it's going to happen and you think to yourself, why the heck has nobody seen this? But you're thinking, okay, we're watching a movie here. It's the entertainment value. If they used common sense, a lot of movies would end a hell of a lot different. One of my favourite examples is, and as much as I love the Star Wars movies, particularly that first one, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the end of that movie, the Death Star battle, should never have happened. If the, <laughs> now just follow my line of thinking here. If the Galactic Empire had a single shred of common sense in their heads, they knew where they, the rebel base was at, at the end of the movie. But they decide to orbit their way around the planet Yavin to get a clear shot at the moon on the far side of it, given the rebel alliance time to mount an assault and destroy the Death Star. Now, for me, I'd be on the Death Star thinking, okay, this is the Death Star, the whole place, everything right here at my command is designed and built to destroy planets. Why the hell are we going to waste time? You've got a counter on the screen too with the amount of time it's going to take to the Rebel base as within, you know, range and the reason it's not in range is because of the fucking planets in the middle of it. You're a Death Star. This thing destroys planets. I would drill a hole right through that planet using the Death Star. And drill the hole clean through it and blow the moon on the other side of it. That would end the movie. And uh, the Rebel Alliance would lose. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's where we get to. In this movie, we get onto that stage where things just get, you know... Uh, to the point where, yes, we're not going to notice this. Uh, there's a big possibility that these little nanite robots are going to rebuild this madman and we're going to be even more doomed than we were before <laughs> this all started. Um, yes, so these nanites come out, start rebuilding Jason, but there's not enough of his body left to recreate him. Uh, he's been blown apart that much so they actually end up taking bits of metal and the surrounding material of the table and whatnot, and putting that into him so he ends up in this crazy mad half the full blown cyborg at the end of the movie um, yeah so um, the survivors they try to send a distress signal and then they set some explosive charges to separate the ships undamaged pontoon from the main section uh, the medical station yep, was rebuilding Jason at this point and uh, Jason then pops up as a cyborg and KM-14 it's like, oh ho, round two sort of thing but uh, Jason punches her head clean off her body and that takes her out of the equation um, yes uh -huh. The wee guy that bolt her, doesn't love her, for, recovers her still functioning head. Uh, Jason's stopped by 
Waylander, who sacrifices himself by setting off the charges while the others escape. Jason survives, of course, and punches a hole through the hole, causing Vanessa to die in the vacuum. Um, that's actually a sequence in the movie that was a little bit more um, graphic. Well, for something that wasn't shown 100% happening, um, there's a hole in the ship, and of course there's a she's holding on to the, the floor. It's like these grates, of course, that's always on space stations and whatnot. And one of those flip off that she's holding and goes across the hole in the ship. So you know she's going to get sucked through this hole, which is going to kill her. Bad enough. But the fact that now there's a metal grating there that's going to... If she does lose her grip and gets sucked out through this hole, she's going to die either way. But it's going to be a hell of a lot more painful getting uh, pretty much shredded into a million pieces on your way out through this hole instead of just going out and suffocating in the deep darkness of space. So that happens. And I'm like, uh, it's just her final line on it. It's like, oh, this sucks so bad, sort of a thing. <laughs> It's just like, you know, what year did this movie come out? It's just like the dialogue just just from um, release dates 2001, 2002, United States. Um, yeah, it's just a, a real product of its time, this film. Uh, it is what it is. Um, they tried at the end of the movie to distract Jason with... Uh, they bring back the, the holographic simulation again and they recreate Crystal Lake and uh, there's two girls there and it goes right into that 80s vibe of oh let's get naked and have reckless teenage sex and whatnot and they get into the the two sleeping bags and, and they're trying to invite Jason and at this point, it's all distraction for these guys in the spaceship to try and escape. But, of course, whenever they check up to see what's happening with Jason, he has the two girls inside the sleeping bags and he's swinging the bags against trees and whatnot, trying to kill these um, holographic simulations, essentially. Um, yeah, so after he takes care of them, he realises the deception. And just as... They managed to fix the door to escape out of the ship. Uh, still in his EVA suit, Brodsky, he was outside the ship trying to fix this manual release mechanism for one of the doors. And, uh, yeah, uh, he confronts Jason so the rest of them can escape. And as they leave, the pontoon itself explodes. And... Uh, propelling Jason at high speed towards the survivors. This little rescue ship has come to get them. I think it skipped over that. But, uh, yeah, this rescue ship manages to get them. The last two survivors, and they're flying away from the main ship and Brodsky. He's in there going in hand-to-hand combat. You're thinking of Jason. But then the whole ship explodes. And as they're sitting in their little escape shuttle, Looking out at the explosion, you see this little black dot getting closer and closer and closer, and it's Jason 
coming towards them. And at the last second, Brodsky intercepts Jason and uh, with his flight suit. He's got these little boosters on it. And uh, he uh, propels it to them into Earth 2's atmosphere where they're both incinerated and uh, re-entry. And of course, uh, then the last two survivors and the little severed head of this robot uh, escape and assures uh, KM-14 uh, you know, nice little happy ending for these two and the little robot gonna build you a new body, it's all good and at the end of the movie there's a little shot on Earth 2 a pair of teenagers are by a lake when they see what they think is a fallen star and they're like the teenagers go to investigate and they're like, oh, it landed in the lake there's a shooting star it landed in the lake, let's go check it out and on the lake we see the Jason's charred mask sinks to the bottom, then credits. So it's almost like, you know, this is where it could end off that. Or, uh, goodness knows, would Jason be able to grow in our body out of some weird random DNA that's still left in this mask? These movies always ended off in a way where they could just, uh, they could either leave it where it is, or they could maybe come up with something at some point to continue it on. But, uh, yeah, this movie did not perform anywhere near as well as people uh, hoped that it was going to do. Um, let me just see what the reception was for it. Um, <clears throat> where's my notes at for that? Um, Just Next was released in the U.S., on 26th of April 2002 to mostly negative reviews from critics and grossed 17 million on a budget of 11 to 14 million yeah that was probably the worst uh, has to be the worst performance of them all um, Yeah, I'm just trying to recall some of the figures I was going over in the previous podcast this year, and I'm pretty sure uh, that has, definitely has to be worse than Jason Takes New York <laughs> and uh, the final Friday. Uh, you'd have seen the, the returns getting smaller and smaller each time. But uh, that was pretty much it for... This version of Jason and the the movie series until um, Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, there's a remake of Freddy the 13th as well that I haven't checked out yet. So what I think I'm going to do is um, I'm just looking at the, the movies in order that they came in. So if I go in the order of these movies... The next one really should be Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, Jason X, 2001. And uh, Freddy vs. Jason is listed as 2003. And then the Freddy the 13th remake is 2009. So I'm thinking, saying as we've done all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies at this point, including the remake, I think we should skip over 
on next Friday's episode and do the remake of Friday the 13th and then the following week we'll do Freddy versus Jason I think that's probably the best way to go about it but uh, yes I think I'm going to end this podcast now because I'm pretty sure you can hear I am wheezing pretty badly at the moment my lungs and chest everything see trying to come off the cigarettes I'm dying it's killing me uh, but hopefully it's going to be worth it uh, financially it should be worth it indeed worth it uh, absolute nightmare anyway guys that's going to do it hope you enjoyed this podcast I hope it made sense to you because I I literally just woken up I'm trying to sleep off this sickness and I woke up and I, I literally looked at my phone and it's Friday night and it's it was coming up in 11 o'clock and I'm thinking, okay, there was a podcast should have been up two hours ago. I better get recording here. So I've literally just woken up, staggered into the mixing desk, turned out everything on, looked up my notes and just started talking. So if it made sense, fantastic. If it didn't make sense, I apologise, but it is what it is, guys. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. Whatever you're doing. Stay safe, and I will talk to you on the next episode. All been well. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.